This has been an interesting week for me. It's over the last few weeks, a dear friend of mine who's come to know Jesus and become a Christian and given his life to the Lord in just the last uh, uh, really couple of years, uh, uh, within the last two years, has been going through some very difficult marital issues. And his wife is not a Christian. And uh, um, she doesn't uh, uh, share his faith. And, and even before my friend became a Christian, there was a, a, a measure of, of, of distance between uh, my friend and his wife. Um, you know, marriage is, is a, um, a wonderful opportunity and challenge in, in a number of different ways. And, and those of you who've been married know that, that, that there's joy, but there's also work to be done to, to, to be in, in the place of greatest joy as far as harmony and, and the relationship as the two become one. Well, there was already distance between my friend and his wife. And my friend said to me, he said, I don't understand something. And I said, what? He said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ almost two years ago. And he said, my wife and I had some struggles before, but they pale in comparison to the troubles we have now. And it seems to me if I give my life to the Lord, our relationship ought to be better, not worse. And I suggested to him a couple of things. uh, uh, And I, I, I said to him, I said, well, tell me some of the problems. He said, well, first of all, my wife gets very upset when she sees me reading the Bible. And she starts cussing me out. She's not fond of me going to church. She doesn't want me doing that with our daughter. She doesn't want me reading the Bible to our daughter. She doesn't like me talking about how God's changing my life. And oh, God is changing my friend's life. My friend is in his 50s and, and he grew up thinking cussing was just as normal as the letter R in the English language. I mean, it's just what you do, if you're a, especially if you're a, a man. And he's been cussing all of his life. He called me up about three months ago and he said, Hey, do you know what? And I said, what? He said, we're not supposed to cuss. (laughs) I said, yeah? He says, yeah, it's in the book of James. He says, I'm I'm quitting. I'm not going to do it anymore. I've been cussing 50 years. I'm not going to cuss anymore. It's it's just so much joy to watch. So now, not only does he not cuss, But this man who could not speak a sentence without putting some expletive in gets terribly irritated when he hears someone else do it. He's like the reformed alcoholic uh who doesn't want you to drive on the same side of the street as a liquor store. He's he's just, and so his wife starts cussing at him. And she is picking up where he left off. And it's just really eating at it. He says, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I said, well, a couple of things occur to me. I said, uh, first of all, I said, if we throw God onto a picture of you and your wife, that distance between you and your wife, when you start moving toward God, that distance gets greater because she's not moving that way. She's staying where she was. And I, I, I said, it, it, it should not surprise you that there's greater distance between you and your wife. You know the Lord. All of the things that you and your wife used to do that were deeds in darkness, you don't do anymore. 
all of the behavior patterns and so much of the things that, that, that were part of your old life are gone. And now you've substituted holy living and holy and righteous thoughts and words and, and, and vocabularies and conversations and you're not into the gossiping anymore and you're not into the, so many of the things and, and the, the deceptions. And I said, your wife is still there. So I said, I guess one thing you could do maybe to help is really, really, really look for every opportunity for God to, and, and your wife to meet. Because she needs to be moving the direction you're moving. And that'll close some of the gap. I said, but there's another thing that, that I find interesting. He says, well, I told my wife the other day, I said, would you just read James? He said, if she'd read James, she'd quit cussing. He said, it's all there in James. You just read James. And he starts quoting to me, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Then I said, let's keep going. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. He said, I've felt that. I said, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. He says, that's what she's doing. <laughs> and I said, well, is there any, uh, you know, where, where's your, your hope for, where's, where's her perspective on it? He says, well, she's gone to see a psychiatrist to get some medication because she's just told me, I can't control my tongue. I see you reading the Bible and I just get so angry it just makes me want to cuss. He said, what am I supposed to do? I said, you just keep reading your Bible and pray and then maybe you read it in your closet and don't flaunt it in front of her. But you let her know, honey, I love you. I cannot get away from the word of my Lord. But I will try not to do it in ways that, that hurt your feelings. But I'd invite you to read it with me and see why I find so much joy in it. He said, she doesn't want to. I said, well, buddy, I'm praying for you. And I'd ask you to pray for him. Uh, unknown to you, you wouldn't know him if he stumbled in the door. But I'd ask you to pray for him and for his wife. Now, I thought it was an interesting week to have this conversation because I told him, I said, your wife is not going to be able to control her tongue. She's not. Oh, they might give her some medication that makes her a little bit more controlled, but... She's not because she doesn't have Jesus. She doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what changes our lives. And he said, I explained that to me. I said, well, I'm going to do it this Sunday. I said, you going to be in town? He said, no. I said, okay, well, you can listen to it. You can read it. And then I'll explain it to you. But I want to explain it to you. Because it's where Paul brings us today. We have been talking in this class about how in the Bible God has given us progressive revelation. It's like Legos. He started out in Genesis and in the early in the books of Moses with some very basic building tools, some basic Legos. And over the time of the prophets and even into the New Testament with the Gospels, we got more and more of an understanding of who God is and His fullness. We saw Jesus. Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. But what we have pledged in this class as we, as we go to study Paul, we would go the next step and see in 
in God's progressive revelation more and more and more about the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've tried to do. So we started, and this is a review slide, but we said, okay, when Paul writes about the Holy Spirit, you remember Paul himself was a student of the Old Testament. And Paul not only was a student of the Old Testament, but, but he knew the Hebrew word ruach for spirit was not a reference as much to the wind as it was to the way the wind worked. Like it, the, it turns a windmill. The spirit of God, the ruach we talked about, the, the, the wind of God is something that changes things. It moves things. It could turn a windmill. It can blow the chaff away from the wheat. It, it, the, the, the wind is powerful in what it does. And Paul not only had that Old Testament, but he had the New Testament. The, the Gospels and what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit and what Acts in the early church showed that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, He said the Holy Spirit will be in you. This was last week. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll understand your relationship with God in Christ. The Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you the things you need to know. The Holy Spirit will bear witness to Christ along with the disciples, along with your own spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict people of sin and of the righteousness of Christ and of the coming judgment. The Holy Spirit will guide people in truth. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Now, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit came, and we saw in Acts, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, new material. I want you to think through something with me. We've got some girls in here today we've got rebecca taylor and sarah all right they are at northland christian they're in fifth grade and fourth grade and i think they could tell you this so you girls pay attention you see if i get this right okay do you remember and do you realize that jesus became flesh god was god jesus was jesus before he was born but Jesus became flesh. He dwelt among us. He was in a body form. Okay? Y'all with me? Everybody else too? Okay. Jesus died what you'll learn to call an atoning death. It means Jesus died a death for our sins, for the sins of people. We know that, right? We read about it in the Bible. So Jesus is born. Jesus lives for 33 years. He dies an atoning death, and after he dies, he's resurrected. He's brought back to life, right? The, the tomb was empty on Easter morn. He's resurrected and brought back to life. And physically, where Thomas can put his hands on him, Jesus eats fish. Jesus is, is physically alive walking on planet Earth until he goes up to heaven. He ascends to heaven, right? And he sits at the right hand of, of God the Father. And Jesus reigns in heaven. Everybody agree with me this is the basic teaching of Scripture. Okay. Now, Jesus is coming again, isn't he? He will come again. The second coming. The parousia. Jesus will come again and set things right. Here is the issue that I want you to focus on. Here's why I have it in a picture. Between the time Jesus ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God, and the time where he will come again, 
with his angels in glory. Do you know what we have? We have a gap. Different gap. We have a gap. We have a gap. There is a gap in time between the time Jesus has ascended and when he's coming again. While Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. There's a gap. We are going to explore this gap in a little more detail. So I had to make our picture a little bit bigger. Between the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus and him coming again, we've got this gap. And this is where we live. We live in the gap. Now, where's Jesus during the gap? Well, in a sense, he's everywhere, but Scripture teaches that Jesus is in heaven at God's right hand. He's enthroned. He has ascended into heaven. He will come again to judge the quick and the dead, but he hadn't come again yet. You want to see Jesus, the physical Jesus? You're not going to see him right here right now. He's not here right now in that sense. So... How is Jesus with us right now? Through the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul's teaching. The Holy Spirit is the way that Jesus is in us. It is the Holy Spirit that brings the power of, of not only the resurrection, but all the power of Christ to the church. It is the Holy Spirit that indwells the church and binds us together and makes us the body of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit. This is the gap, is the time where the Holy Spirit ministers and works in the world and among the church. Jesus has ascended to the Father. He will come again with His angels in glory. But while Jesus is in heaven, in that sense, the Holy Spirit lives and works and ministers among us. Now, does this make sense? This is, this is not rocket science, but it's, it's putting into a very graphic form some understanding that helps us understand Paul's teaching on the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to take all of my screen there and move it off to the side. So get oriented with it. We have very complicated screens today. I'm sorry. We have Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension with His coming again. And we have the gap. And in that gap is the Holy Spirit in its ministry, in His ministry and work. You with me? Okay? Now where are we born? See, we're born, like my friend and his wife, over in a world that's under a curse. A world that's loaded with sin and a world that's loaded with death. Oh, it has beauty in it. It has people... That, that have been made in God's image, though tarnished by sin. It's got glorious beauties of, of nature that God has made. But it's still under a curse. Even the best human being you meet can be mean or callous. Even the most beautiful scene you can find probably has roaches somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 we, we live in a world that's cursed with sin and death. 
There's not a human being that's ever lived in this world save Jesus Christ that didn't sin. Now, what happened with my friend is my friend and his wife live in this cursed world of sin and death like we do, but my friend goes and shares in the death of Jesus. And when he shares in the death of Jesus, he shares in the resurrection of Jesus. And while Jesus is ascended, my friend's now living in the gap, but the time in the gap he's spending is time under the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. He's not in that cursed world of sin and death in a real ultimate sense, in an eternal sense. Oh, his physical body may still be stuck over there, but God's already brought him. He's been born again, to use Jesus' terminology. And he's living in the gap. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're living in the gap where the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit takes place. And that's what Paul writes about. And that's the mentality Paul has as he writes about someone who's, who's living in the gap. So let's look at it. Life in the gap. What's it like? Well, first of all, when we're, when we're born again, we're born into another, uh, uh, another family. I love my mom dearly. I love my father dearly. God rest his soul. But through their teaching and the nurture of the church and the work of the Holy Spirit, I was born again into another family. And I received the Holy Spirit. That's the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. And the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit confirms my spirit. This is a spirit of adoption. I've been adopted as a son. God is my Father. I cry out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit has, through His ministry and work, in that born-again experience as I'm affiliated with, as I become a part and I share in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and I'm born again... I'm born into the family of God as an adopted son. And in Paul's sense here, all of you male and female are adopted sons. Let me tell you why. Not because he's gender blind, but because under Roman law, sons had rights of inheritance that daughters didn't have. So he's saying in essence, not... Gee, you're something special as a son. He's saying, no, male and female, there's no difference in Christ. You all get the rights that an adopted son would have under Roman law. I see my friend Mike Riddle here. Mike uh, is a specialist as a lawyer in doing wills and, and dealing with issues of estate. I don't know if you've ever executed a will or not. Have you ever seen one of those TV shows where someone inherits like from some distant relative or somebody, gazillions of dollars. I've always thought that would be cool. <laughs> I asked mom about that one day and she let me know it wasn't happening. I better go out there and try and make it because I ain't inheriting it. I said, don't we have some distant relative that, that like is going to die and leave us something? And it didn't look like it. Um, so I didn't grow up. But I did grow up thinking it would be really cool. 
Well, I want to tell you, Paul uses this language. He says, if you have, you've received the spirit of adoption, you're in God's will. He's put you down. And we're not talking rich uncle. He owns all the cows in the world. It says it in the Psalms. All the beasts of the field and the hills, they're his. He's just loaned them out to the cattle ranchers. He can reclaim them anytime he wants. He's got all of it for eternity. And he's put us in his will through the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of adoption. So you got an inheritance. You're sitting, on, on, you're sitting pretty if you know the Lord for eternity. I'd like to tell you what in the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit your inheritance is as a believer. Let's look at what Paul says because this is the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit to give you this inheritance. The inheritance, first off, is freedom. Free at last, free at last. Freedom. You have freedom before God as part of your inheritance. As a son, you're not a slave. You're set free. Jesus is, look, you're free before God. God's on your side. You're not a slave. You're not in bondage. You're not, oh, I can't make God smile. Oh, God hates me. Oh, I'm God's enemy. No. You're absolutely free before God. Free to talk to Him. Free to relate to Him. The King of the universe. You have freedom to walk into His throne. And not just say, Almighty God in heaven, blessed be your name, but say, Abba, Father, I need you. You have freedom before God. And if God's on your side, who's against you? You got some adversary? You got some issue? You got some problems? Look at them. If they're not physical, look at them in your mind. God's for me. What are you? Who can be against you? You have freedom before God. Not only through the Holy Spirit do we have freedom before God, but the Holy Spirit's given us freedom from sin. Now this is going to, this, this should make you squirm. Because this is a hard issue to put your hands around. Let me give you a verse first. Let's go to Romans 8, 1 and 2. Now I, I, I didn't do that. I used a different verse. Our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says it this way. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from the law. We are free in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. Go back to the diagram I put up there of my friend and his wife. My friend's wife is still enslaved by sin and death. 
She's a slave to it. She can't beat it. She wants to beat it. She can go see every shrink there is. Oh, they may dope her mind enough to where her tongue is so slow and her thoughts are so remote that she's not able to... to, to, to. And, and I'm not... Do not get me wrong. I'll tell you, even for a Christian, there is a time and place for medications because the mind sometimes needs some help. We live in fallen bodies. But I'm saying if you're unregenerate and you don't know the Lord, you can have all the drugs in the world. Oh, they can put you into a a coma. And yeah, you'll quit being mean. But that's not really fixing the problem. It's like, you know, you're bleeding. Well, it'll quit. All bleeding eventually stops. But you want it to quit before you die. She, my friend's wife, is enslaved. She has not been set free from the law of sin and death. She can't control it. But the Christian can. And you may be thinking, oh, i got these sins in my life I can't control. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Wrong. Wrong. You've been set free. You can make the choice. You've got the power of God in you. The power that resurrected Jesus from the dead enables you to say, now does that mean we're going to be perfect? Oh, heavens, no. Because we don't look to the power. And we don't use the power. And there are times where we, to quote Paul, quench the Spirit. And there are times we say, well, yeah, maybe the Spirit, but I'm coming over here. But you have a choice. And you can say no. You can make that choice. Oh, it may be hard. But you can live within the Spirit and follow the Spirit. You, sin does not have you as a slave anymore if you know Jesus Christ. The law of the Spirit. We live in the gap, in the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. And in that gap, the Holy Spirit conquers sin and death. We have freedom. From slavery. All right. Life in the gap. We have freedom from law. Look at the passage from Romans 7, 5, and 6. We're released from the law. Having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit. Not in the old way of the written code. Now, does that mean that, oh, Good. The Ten Commandments said, uh, you shall not commit murder. But I'm not bound by that anymore, so I'm going to kill my boss. He's really getting on my nerves. And when I get hauled up, I'm going to say, hey, excuse me, I'm a Christian. I've been released from the law. That's why I killed him. No. You're not released from the law so that you can live happy-go-lucky with no regard to right and wrong. You're released from the law to serve in the new way of the Spirit. And the new way of the Spirit's very different. The law is something, oh, I can't murder, okay, I won't murder. But boy, I hate your guts. And I hope your life is horrible and I hope you rot in physical hell on earth. Okay? Now, that, you I could keep the law and have a bitter heart. Now I serve in the way of the Spirit. God's going after the heart. 
God's going to teach me to love my enemy. God's going to teach me to pray for those who persecute me. Now it's not, oh, I can't kill you because it's the law, but I can bitterly hate your guts. Now it's, I'm not an issue of killing you and following the law. It's an issue of getting my heart right before God. This is about me now, not about you. And so we look at what we do and we look at our lives and we look at our relationships and we look at our problems and we realize now all of a sudden it's not about everybody else and everything else and it's not look what she's doing and I tell my friend don't sit there and say oh my life would be great if only she'd get her act together instead you see how God's working through you this is now about you it's how are you praying for your wife she may never come to Jesus that's not, that's not what you can deal with anyway. That's not what you do. That's God's work and that's her heart. But you can pray for her and you can love her. You may have to love her from a distance, but you can love her. We have freedom from law. What else do we get? What's in the will for us? What would you inherit? Here's one that's from left field that we don't talk a lot about in our scientific community. We have freedom from unseen evil forces, powers, and principalities of darkness. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Spirit gives us victory. Paul explains in Ephesians 6 as he goes through this explanation. We take the sword of the Spirit. We have the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that conquers darkness. It's the Spirit that conquers disease. It's the Spirit that conquers evil forces. It's the Spirit. And I don't understand all of them, but we'll, I'll give you my understanding when we reach that class. Because there are demons. There is possession. There are dark, unseen powers at work trying to undo you and to make you miserable. But we have victory through the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. It's in the will. We've got it. It's our inheritance. And we've already come into our inheritance. That's like living in the gap is living in the inheritance. What else do we have? We have social freedom. Let me tell you what that means. That's just some comfortable label I stole from somebody. Actually, he called it social liberty. Um, Richard Longenecker in his book on Paul. I should cite who I stole it from. It's in the material. So. We have social freedom. Here's what we're talking about. I can look out here and I can see Dale Hearn. And he's my Christian brother. And I love him. And we're one in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Next to him is Steve Taylor. And he's my brother. And I love him. Over here is Ken Gearhart. He's my brother. And I love him. We've got Dorothy Hopper. I could go through the room. If you know Jesus, you're my family. And we have a participation that's a participation, Paul writes in Philippians 2, in the Spirit. See, this is the inheritance. This is the ministry and work. When we're in Jesus right now, we're in the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit. It's the unity of the bond uh, of the Spirit in the bond of peace that Paul writes about in Ephesians 4. There's one body. There's one Spirit. We're all united together. We're free to look and, and be together. We're, I, I, I have family. 
Michelle Miori's mother passed away recently. And, and, and we got to go to the funeral. And it was an honor to get to go to the funeral. Oh, it was an honor because we got to know more about her mom, who was an incredible woman. But it was also an honor because we got to go there as family. Because Michelle's our sister in Christ. And we go there to love her and to show her support and to let her know that we care. People have family that pass away in this class. And I get the emails. And I can't make all the funerals. But I wish I could. Because all of you are my family. Just because Michelle lives a little closer. Doesn't mean that, that we're not family. And never do I get an email. And I suspect it's true for all of you. That says someone's passed away. I had a, a, a dear sister in here. Whose sister passed away last week. You get the email. You stop what you're doing and you pray for him. This is our family. This is what we've inherited. This is our inheritance. What else did we get? Oh, we got some good stuff in the old will. We have communion with Jesus Christ. I don't mean the Lord's Supper here. I mean intimate fellowship with the Lord Jesus who's in heaven. Because the Lord Jesus is in heaven, but the Lord Jesus is present here in his spirit. It is the Spirit of the Lord. So if you go back to our chart where Jesus becomes flesh, he dies an atoning death, he's physically resurrected by the Holy Spirit, he ascends to heaven, he's coming again in that gap. Where's Jesus? Communing with us. The Holy Spirit has made us one. He's made us the body of Christ on earth. Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 3 in a really cool passage that we should look at. Here's what, ooh, that didn't need to be there. This did not illustrate right. Okay, just ignore the bottom part of this slide. Don't read it yet. It's like seeing the, se the, the, the sequel before the prequel. Um, okay, Moses comes, right? He's got the tablets. He's in the presence of the Lord. And what happens to his face? Do you remember? Did they teach this at Northland? Moses' face from being in the presence of the Lord shines so brightly. His face shines from God's glory so brightly that they have to put a veil over Moses because the brightness is too great for the people to see. Right? Okay, Paul says, hey, let's be real clear here. Moses and his ministry was a ministry of death. It was a ministry of death. You may be thinking, really? That's kind of harsh. Oh, no. That's what it was. He's on the, the, the side of the chart that says cursed world of sin and death. That's where the law is. One of the reasons God gave us the law was to try and keep us from killing each other. So that we have some basis of social interaction. Because we didn't have the freedom of interacting in love through the Spirit. So you got to do something to keep everybody from killing each other and stealing and ripping you off blind. Gives us a law. But all of that, that whole law, all it's going to do is show you that you're imperfect before God. It's, it's, it's going to show you your sin. That whole ministry that Moses had was a ministry of death and slavery. That's what it was. So we go back. That's a ministry of death. Now we'll add the bottom. 
Paul says, but look, I've got a ministry of an empty tomb. I've got a ministry of life after death. And that's what we're a part of. That's our inheritance. He says, we, without veils, we don't have to wear a veil lest we see the shining glory. He says, we with unveiled face get to behold the glory of the Lord. With an unveiled face, we see God's glory in a resurrected Jesus. This is life. This is what you sell everything you have to go buy. This is not something you sit there and say, oh, I might do that one day. This is something you jump at the chance. This changes everything. Paul says, we all with unveiled faith. Oh, and Paul says, and if you think the glory of the Lord shone through the ministry of death, don't you know how much more it shines in the ministry of life, which is the whole reason he came to earth to start with? We with unveiled face are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is how the Spirit takes what is Jesus and makes it known to us as Jesus said he would do. This is how the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He takes polluted, garbage, sinful, cursing people and redeems them through the blood of Jesus and resurrects them in a new life and then begins to change them little by little every day. Little by little in every way. Jesus is changing me. And I'm not the same person that I used to be. And I've got a buddy who becomes a Christian and I don't have to sit down with him and say, all right, you're not, you're not allowed to smoke. You're not allowed to... To, to cuss. You're not allowed. Here are the laws you have to live by. Oh no. He's got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's teaching him in his good time. So that he calls me on the phone 12 months out. Hey. Do you know we're not supposed to cuss? I'm quitting. It's there. It's in James. Read it. This is life in the gap. Communion with Jesus Christ. Oh there's more. We have a guarantee. I know I belong to the Lord. Do you know how I know? He didn't put His Spirit in me just to jerk it away on the day of judgment. Paul says the Spirit's given in our hearts as a guarantee. We live in the gap. It's the ministry of the Spirit. We live in the inheritance. We've already got the inheritance. He's not going to rewrite the will. The Holy Spirit helps me when I, I, I don't have it. When I don't have what it takes and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to say it. It's the Holy Spirit that helps me in my weakness, Paul said. When I don't know how to pray as I ought to, the Spirit will intercede for me. He'll pray with groanings that, that I can't even put into words. The Spirit. I'm under the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in the gap until my Lord comes back and I join Him for eternity. Amen. Next week. Excesses of the Spirit. But until then, would you do me a favor? Three things. Would you live your inheritance? The Spirit bears witness with your spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. You have the inheritance. So do I. Live it. 
Don't let Satan, the father of lies, the great deceiver, convince you that you don't have every one of these inheritance rights that belong to you. Do not let someone read you a faulty will. We've got it in Jesus. Live it. You can live and say to sin, no, you don't have that power over me. Now, there are other tools. There's some things. You'll still be tempted. Paul talks about temptation. He says flee immorality. There's all sorts of things you need to do. He talks about the importance of worship. He talks about the importance of support groups. He talks about the importance of being in the Word, the importance of prayer. There are all these things you do that are positives. You don't just sweep the sin out of your life and leave your house naked and vacant because the sin comes right back sevenfold. You fill it up with good. You do these things. But there is... There is release from bondage. Live the inheritance. Walk free from sin and death. We're in the gap. We're into the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's walk by the Spirit and not seek to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's don't live on the wrong side of the chart. We don't belong there anymore. Oh, it's comfortable. It's like... Who was telling me the other day about comfort food? They said, well, I don't eat wrong anymore except when I need comfort food. And then it's, I don't remember what it was, Fritos and cheese dip or something. thought, well, you know, it could be a lot worse. It could be chicken fried cheesecake or something. But, (laughs) um, you know, the, the idea, there are times where we just say, oh, I need to get back into my comfortable sin. Where where at least here I I know what's what. No, don't do it. Just say no, to quote Nancy Reagan. Just say no by the power of the Spirit. You don't have the power to say no on your own. But you seek God and you put the positives in there and you put God into your life and and let's live and walk by the Spirit and walk free from sin and death because we're going to be led by the Spirit. The Scripture itself is the Spirit... Breathed out by God. It's not all of the Spirit, but it's the Spirit that gave us scriptures. That's part of the ministry of the Spirit. Why on earth can, you know, (laughs) I have another friend who's been counseling my buddy with me. And we were eating lunch one day last week, week before last. And my friend was saying, you know, I'm I'm just killing myself. I'm trying so hard to be a Christian so that this will work. And my buddy looked at him and said, don't cry over trying hard to be a Christian. That's not any big deal. And he says, well, I'm just, I'm busting my gut to be a Christian. My friend says, that's like whining that you're working up a sweat opening in your Christmas presents. <laughs> You've got all the gifts in the world. Don't whine that, that you're, it's just, oh, you don't, you don't understand how hard it is to take the bow off this new car. <laughs> Why does everything happen to me? You know, don't do that. Well, I got to tell you something. We can sit here and say, oh, I can't find victory in my life. Oh, I can't find victory over this. Oh, I can't find victory over that. When was the last time you opened your Bible and just spent time reading it and studying and communing with God and letting His Spirit minister to you through the words that the Spirit's given you? And when you're doing that a whole bunch and you're on your knees a whole bunch and you're really seeking God in prayer and you're still struggling with it, then you got something to moan about to me. 
But I, I've got people who come into my office. Oh, i got this problem and this problem. Okay, well, what have you done about it? Well, nothing. Well, come on. Now, we know what to do. Let's make a decision. This week, we're going to spend some time studying the Bible. Make a decision with me. And, hey, i got news for you. You've already done it. That's what we've been doing for the last 45 minutes. But you can do it alone. Will you commit to do that with me, please? Thank you. Would you commit that this week you're going to make a conscious decision at some point in your life this week to say no? By the power of God and His resurrection Holy Spirit, I will walk in the Spirit in this circumstance right here, right now. God help me, please. Will you commit to doing that with me? Thank you very much. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the blessings that you give us, the inheritance we have in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you did not leave us alone as Jesus ascended into heaven, but left us with your working power, with your resurrection power, with your, with your very presence in the Holy Spirit. It is my prayer that everyone who hears this message will, 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 by the power of your Spirit, understand and seek and walk more closely with you. We pray through the death of our Lord Jesus, by which we come before you freely, Amen.